this is Stephanie Schaefer, and you're listening to the North Star Narrative, a podcast from North Star Academy. I want to thank you for joining us. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and motivated by what you learned today. Enjoy the story. Hey, guys. We are thrilled today to have one of our very own on the North Star Narrative, Catherine Clark. Catherine has an incredible story as she attended North Star Academy as a student and now is working as a teacher here. Catherine grew up in Chad, Central Africa, as a missionary kid. She attended North Star in her junior and senior years before returning to Massachusetts for college. She studied history and education and graduated in 2017. After graduation, she returned to Chad for part of a school year to teach for a missionary family. When she returned back to the States in 2018, she got married and she started working at North Star. Catherine enjoys baking, cooking, cookie decorating, and any types of crafts. She feels that one of God's gifts that he has given to her is hospitality, and she loves having people in her home. And so I'm so excited for you to get to hear her story and just her sweet, sweet heart. Thank you, Catherine, so much for joining us on the North Star Narrative today. Thank you for having me. Yay! You have the gift of hospitality, and you love having people over. I love having people over, too. Tell us a little bit about your favorite thing to do when people come over and how you prepare for them to come. Well, like I said, I I love to feed people. I think it's part of growing up overseas, you know, in a very hospitality kind of centered culture. Um, But feeding people is really important to me. Um, (laughs) It's just what I do all the time. Always. I even tried to do it in my dorm room. You know, when people would come over at college to my dorm room, I would say, Oh, you should have a snack. And they're like, No, I'm not hungry. And I'm like, No, you have to eat something. (laughs) Um, So it's just very natural to me. Um, Although it's been kind of challenging here in COVID times um, with not having folks over as much. So we're trying to get creative. Um, We've been having folks over to our yard um, and doing some outdoor cooking. Um, And then, you know, for various holidays like Halloween um, recently, I think that Halloween is a fabulous opportunity to go and knock on people's doors because they actually expect someone to show up. (laughs) Um, So I took cookie baskets around to our neighborhood for Halloween. So I'm trying to take my hospitality outside the house at the moment. Awesome. That's so sweet. Yeah. So how did people receive you when they opened the door? They were really surprised. Yes. (laughs) Um, There was one older gentleman at the end of our street and um, we were explaining, we were like, oh, it's like reverse trick-or-treating. We're bringing you cookies. And he (laughs) was like, well, that's different. (laughs) I was like, well, they're good cookies. What can I say? Um, But most people were really happy and several neighbors a couple days later told me how much they'd enjoyed them. So. Oh, that's so fun. And you love decorating cookies. So what, what did you, what kind did you make? I made, so I made a a vanilla cookie base um, and then I decorated it with, with royal icing designs. So this is a new craft that I've picked up during COVID. Wow. That's cool. So um, when you were in Chad, so you say that's where you got this desire to feed people. Um, So tell us a little bit what it was like growing up in Chad and, and what that looked like. Um, so obviously very different from growing up in the United States as, um, most of our missionary kid North Star students could tell us. Um, 
I grew up in the capital city in Chad um, because my mom worked with a language project in that city. And my dad was um, the computer guy for the main SIL center there in, in Jemena. Um, so, you know, it was a city. Uh, there were lots of houses. It wasn't, it wasn't a village or anything like that. Um, I attended the um, the French school, the government French school in Jemena up through ninth grade. Um, and yeah, I mean, people speak Chadian Arabic um, and some people speak French, but most Chadians, the trade language is Chadian Arabic. So I learned that, um, you know, we would go and visit people in our neighborhood. Chad is, like I said, an extremely hospitable culture. Um, people don't keep to time. Uh, if you set up a time with someone that you're going to visit, that's that's a very flexible concept. Um, and the reason for that is that they're so relational. Um, so people will drop anything at any moment to spend time with you, to feed you, um, to let you take a nap on their mat. <laughs> um, so it's just a very kind of communal type of living. Wow. So what was it like coming back um, for college? Did was Were you able to get up and go to classes? Were you able to be there on time or how did the timing affect you? What did you have to get used to? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, my family always was more used to having time schedules than our Chadian neighbors. Um, I would say, you know, the biggest impact on me, I think, was just my more global perspective on life um, than a lot of my uh, classmates. And um, that was especially interesting in studying history um, because I think a lot of times in the United States, we look at history a certain way. We look at it from our perspective as Americans. And when you've gone to a French school and you've studied history from the French perspective and you've talked to Chadians and you've looked at history kind of from their perspective, it just gives you a much more nuanced view of things. Um, that maybe, you know, history doesn't just revolve around what happened in the United States or with the United States, um, but that the world is significantly wider than that um, and that it's worth looking at the the pieces in play in other places. Yeah, I love that perspective. And I want to talk a little bit about how that plays into your teaching now in your courses. But um, so as a missionary kid, um, were you able to be involved with your parents' ministry? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, um, funny story about how I ended up at North Star. Um, the French school had kind of stopped working for me, and we were back on furlough for my 10th grade year. And when we were headed back to Chad, um, I said, well, I'm going to go to the boarding school in Cameroon. And my parents said, uh, no, <laughs> no, you're not, um, because we're not ready to let you leave. So North Star was kind of our compromise, and it worked out really well for me. Um I was very involved in the relational piece of my parents' ministry, getting to know neighbors, um, becoming friends with people, um, sharing the gospel through those relationships. Um, the more professional pieces of my parents' relation, uh, my parents' ministry, obviously, 
not so much. I didn't know how to fix computers or, or translate the Bible. Um, but there were a lot of opportunities for me in ministry in Chad that I would not have had had I left the country. Um, I was able to start a Sunday school class at our Chadian church for the younger kids. They had a Sunday school, but it was often disrupted by kind of the toddlers running around. So I was able to take those toddlers and start a new Sunday school class in Chadian Arabic, um, you know, tell them Bible stories and stuff. Um, I love music and there aren't a whole lot of opportunities in Chad to join a choir or a band or whatever. Um, So I actually was able to start a choir for the missionary kids at our international church. And then in my senior year of high school, I was actually asked by a a mission school in the capital city to teach music for them. Um, So as a senior in high school, I was there teaching music to first through sixth graders, um, putting on a musical for them, just because that's what was needed. Um, And I would not have had those opportunities if I hadn't stayed in Chad. And if North Star hadn't given me the opportunity to have a good education while also pursuing all of those ministries. Oh, I love that. I love hearing our stories of families and students, yeah, all over the world, just like you, that um, you're able to have those amazing experiences and that you dove in and just did what was needed. Wow. Praise God for the heart and mission and mindset he gave you. So how old were you when you first arrived in Chad? I was one and a half years old. So my sister had not yet had her first birthday. (laughs) And so you lived there then from one and a half to 18? Yep. So um, obviously we were back on furloughs, um, which most missionary families will be you know, aware of. So we would spend a year every about four years back in the United States. But most of my growing up was in Chad. Wow. What's one of your favorite memories during all those years? Um. Just one, huh? That's a hard question. Um, <laughs> Tell us a couple. Well, one of my favorite memories, I I just mentioned um, teaching music when I was in high school, but we put on a musical with the kids. Um, And that's just one of my favorite memories, seeing kind of how the missionary community came together and um, just to give these kids the opportunity to be involved in something like a play that they wouldn't have had the opportunity to to be involved in before. Um, I think another favorite memory of mine is... um, actually Ramadan. Um, So at the end of the month of fasting, there's a a Ramadan festival. Um, And it's kind of like Halloween here. Everybody roams around to each other's houses um, and everybody's handing out candy and, you know, um, pastries and just spending time with each other and just enjoying, you know, everybody dresses up. Um, All the Chadian kids have new clothes and it's just a very bright, colorful, beautiful, relational kind of day. Sounds amazing. Just, yeah, all that you got to experience while growing up. So fun. I love the relationship part because, you know, we just got through with our spiritual emphasis Mm -hmm. event here and it was freedom in Christ and freedom in community. Yeah. And so many haven't been able to have that relational touch and experience um, right now. So it's so good um, to hear about that. And I think it's something that, the third world church has down pat, right? Because it's so much a part of their culture. And it's something that I would love to see of more here 
in the U.S. church. Um, And I think that there are really prophetic voices in the church right now rising up and saying, we need more of that. People are isolated. People are lonely. We need this community. um, And we can't just be Christians in isolation. And I think that's such an important message for us to hear. It is. So, you know, North Star was created in 1998 for families like your family um, to keep missionary families on the field. Because sometimes boarding school is not an option. Sometimes parents don't want to use boarding school like yours. Um, And moms just run out of the ability to teach at some point sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So, wow. um, I love that we've been, we were able to help, you know, your family to stay on. And, And we still stay with those roots, even though, you know, we're been around for a long time and we're able to serve so many different um, people. We still love the reason why we were started and the mission God gave us. So what is that? Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to say, I don't think people always understand how important that is. Like people think of being a missionary as going overseas and, you know, sharing the gospel or translating the Bible or what have you. But the role of education in overseas missions is not often talked about and is so important. I mean, we saw so many families leave the field when their kids got to high school age because like you said, their moms just didn't feel like they could homeschool anymore. They didn't want to send the kids to boarding school, whatever it was. um, And they leave, (laughs) you know, and you lose that missionary family and all of their capacity for mission simply because of the education issue. Mm -hmm. And with the internet being more available around the world, I just, I believe that what North Star is doing is missions, you know, like, yeah, maybe we as teachers aren't overseas, but we are missionaries to the missionaries. And that is a really important role. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we, North Star played a part in you ministering to all those kids. Yeah. Like we were a part of that because if you hadn't had North Star, you you wouldn't have probably stayed at home and, and being able to do that. So I love that and how practical that is. And we're doing that right now all over. So praise God. We're so thankful for that. So what was it like being a student and then transitioning to a teacher here at North Star? Actually, it was really smooth. Um, I think the first time I joined uh, a social studies department meeting um, and Joey Beeson was there and, you know, Mr. Beeson was my high school history teacher. (laughs) And I had a moment of like... (laughs) Uh, (laughs) here I am like sitting at a virtual table being like, you know, oh, I'm a teacher now. Is this going to fly? But it did. Everyone was incredibly gracious. Um, And all of my former teachers have just welcomed me and made me feel like they see me as a teacher just like them. Um, And they've also been so gracious in providing advice and encouragement when needed. Um, So yeah, it actually was was a very smooth transition for me. That's great. Um, So what has changed since you were a student and now a teacher at North Star? Well, we used to call our platform Brain Honey, and now it's Buzz. Um, (laughs) We used to use First Class, which I have to say I do not miss at all. <laughs> that that was never my favorite uh platform but i think a lot of the 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 teaching and the content is still similar i will say one thing i think has changed is um i see a shift away from 
the textbook focused kind of class that we had when I was in high school, largely. Um, Not to say that there weren't other great materials and resources. Of course there were. Um, But I just see people kind of thinking outside the box a little more. I think now that online education has been around a little longer, people are starting to consider like, what can we do that's uniquely online? That's not just like transferring what we did in a physical classroom to an online environment, but that is new and exciting and different. Um, And that's cool. I don't, you know, I don't entirely know where it'll go, but it's exciting to be a part of. Yeah. So are you going to be involved in course writing? I am. So I wrote a class last year called Survey of World Leaders. Um, It was intended to be an alternative to U.S. history for our international students who maybe want a more um, broad kind of look at a variety of historical characters. Um, And then this coming year, I'm going to be rewriting the history U.S. survey uh, for high school. Great. Yeah, we're so thankful for your experience and all that you have to pour in um, to our students. So tell us what it's like um, working with students virtually. Um, It can definitely be challenging. I think that moment where you've sent someone a bunch of emails and a bunch of messages on Teams and you just cannot get a hold of them, like that's a heart-sinking moment where you're like, man, I can't just grab this kid on the way out of class and be like, I need to talk to you. But I think it also offers a lot of really cool opportunities for me to see into students' lives. Um, I have students that do amazing things, you know, they're ballet dancers and professional tennis players and missionaries that are doing really cool things on the field. And, you know, there are amazing opportunities to be had when you're not sitting in a classroom for eight hours every day. Um, And so it's really cool hearing about how they're using that time. Um, And I would say, I think, you know, for me as a teacher, the EVP program is really, it's heartwarming, you know, because I get to actually be with kids during that hour and um, interact with them and see the expressions on their faces. and. Having that, I think, really helps me to replenish as a teacher and then go back to my VRP classes with the perspective of like, yes, there are actually people on the other end of this computer. Um, I remember that. I can see them. um, And it helps me to communicate better with those other students. Yeah. Some people may not know what VRP and EVP, the difference. You want to tell them? Yeah. So EVP is our um, class that has a live component. Um, So my EVP class has a one hour meeting time every week, um, whereas VRP is entirely self-paced. And the EVP is a cohort that moves through the class together. Yeah. We're so thankful over the last few years to have that EVP um, and just more connection. But we do try to have as much connection as possible with students. And I know that they are loving that. Our teachers are loving that um, so much. Um, Thinking back um, for our TCKs that we have, our MKs, um, what would you tell yourself? If you could go back, let's say to your 10 years old, um, what would you tell yourself that you wished you would have known? I think one thing that I didn't learn until kind of high school was just 
you can build opportunities for yourself. I think a lot of times when TCKs see what their peers are doing in the United States, that they're involved in extracurriculars, that they have access to music programs, that they have all of these opportunities that we don't have in a a structure like that overseas. Um, Sometimes you can feel like you're missing out. (laughs) Um, And sometimes you can worry about things like college applications, you know, like are my, the fact that I don't have a lot of extracurriculars on my resume, like, is that going to impact my ability to get into the colleges of my choice? And I think just realizing that like, if you're creative, you can do pretty much anything that you want to do, right? Like I wanted to join a choir and I didn't have one. So I directed a choir instead, right? Um, And that was really fun. And believe me, it looked fabulous on a college application. (laughs) So there are opportunities there if you're willing to be creative and look for them and make them for yourself. And in making them for yourself, you will serve other people. Um, You know, those kids that I led a choir for, they had an opportunity that I didn't have because I was looking to make that opportunity for myself, you know? So you can serve other people by also doing what you want to (laughs) do. That's good. Yeah. So all service doesn't have to be boring. No, not at all. (laughs) God's kingdom and serving in it is so much fun. A hundred percent. And God will give you opportunities to use your passions. Like look for those opportunities to use your specific passions because like you're going to serve with so much more of a joyful heart if it's something that you're really interested in. Yeah. uh, My pastor said not too long ago, look for where your giftings are. So if you're a child of God, you've got giftings that he has given you. And then look for the passions that you have. And where those giftings and the passions meet is your sweet spot. Yes. And that's where God wants us to be. And I would just add one other thing in there to that. We'll make it an asterisk by adding another line in where the needs of the world intersect with your passion because there are needs all around us and we're not going to be able to meet every single one of those. But somewhere there is a need that your passions and your giftings will address. And that's where God wants you. That's where he's created you to be. Yeah. I love to tell people that God has a purpose for you. And that purpose is going to be amazing when you yeah. just surrender all. So I love hearing your heart and how you've uh, surrendered, you know, all to him. And, and um, he has just done a great, great work in your life. Catherine, I know that you're passionate about Christian thought, living as reflective, intentional Christians in the wider world. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? What do you mean? Absolutely. So a book that was really foundational to my thinking about this issue was, um, it's called A Mind for God. And essentially the argument of that, it's a very short book. It's a little tiny thing and it's so impactful. Um, And essentially his argument is that as Christians, even though we are called to faith, we are not called to blind faith. We're not called to be unreflective. And a lot of times people just kind of think, oh, well, I can just move through life not necessarily thinking deeply about things and just sort of skimming the surface. And we are called to more than that as Christians. We are called to use the minds that God's given us. Um, We're called to be 
intellectual, for lack of a better word. You know, we're called to be sharp. Like Jesus tells us to be as shrewd as a serpent. He also tells us to be as gentle as a dove, but he does tell us to be as shrewd as a serpent. Um, And so I think that process of developing a Christian mind um, is really important. And the way that um, he talks about it in this book, A Mind for God, is... um, thinking about how we can enter the great conversations of the world with a Christian perspective, having that kind of intersection of what are the big questions, what are the things that we need to be talking about, and how do we approach those from a perspective of faith? And I think that what's really cool is that that is what we do here at North Star. I mean, that's what I do in my classes. You know, we look at the big questions of history, of government, of right and wrong, and we approach them from a scriptural perspective. What would, how would God have us think about this? And now that we're thinking about it as Christians, how then would God have us live? And I think that that is such an amazing way to look at things because you're not just floating you have seriously considered what are the big questions and how do I interact with these as a Christian? And it gives us a way to witness. Um, And especially, you know, I went to uh, Mount Holyoke College, which is a secular school, very highly ranked, and everybody there is incredibly intellectual, right? Um, And you have to have good reasons for what you think. If you approach people and you say, you know, oh, I don't know, just try believing it. <laughs> um, they're, they're not going to go for that, right? You got to yeah. be able to argue your point. You got to be able to articulate it and defend it. And I think that there are a lot of people in the United States, in the world in general, that witnessing to them means approaching them with that intellectual perspective to faith and saying, I, as a thinking, intelligent, critical person, still believe this and here's why. And I think that that's an amazing gift that we can give to the world. So what does that look like in your teaching with your students? How do you lead your students to think this way and learn this way? Absolutely. So we ask a lot of really big questions. (laughs) Like I said, you know, what is the role of government? Um, Who belongs in a particular country? Um, You know, things that are informed by history, things that we can use historical examples to address, but then that we can also use scripture to interact with, right? I mean, scripture is not silent on the role of government. Scripture is not silent on the role of community. Scripture is not silent on the question of justice. And so bringing those ideas from scripture and saying, as Christians, how do we approach these questions? These questions that Christians and non-Christians alike are asking, but that we know we have the wisdom to address in a way that the secular world is not going to have because of scripture, because of God's input into our lives. Um, So that's how we do it, right? We take a big question and we say, as a Christian, how do I think about this and why? Can I back up my opinion with scripture? Can I back it up with historical examples? And then what does that mean about how I should live in the world? I love that. Love what our students are learning at North Star. So has that um, increased? Have you noticed more conversations in the last, say, six months with everything going on in the world? Absolutely. Um, My students are coming to class with so many questions about politics and justice and 
you know, okay, if we're trying to live as Christians in this world, what does that mean about how we vote? What does that mean about how we interact with justice movements? What does that mean about how we consider racial racial reconciliation, right? Those are big questions in every part of the world, right? Secular, Christian, um, they're coming up everywhere. And yeah, absolutely. Kids are asking. I mean, students at North Star are sharp, right? They They care about these questions. They Mm -hmm. care about how they as Christians should approach them. Um, And I think that that is where we as a school really shine because students can come and ask these questions and think about them and come away with a biblical perspective on how do I then live? Because that's the real point, right? We can't control how other people live. We can control how we live and how we present God to the world. And that's kind of the outcome of the question, right? The question is not intellectual for intellectualism's sake. It's to teach us how we then live. And this is so part of a college prep education. Oh, 100%. In college, it is not like if right now, some of our students might be really sheltered with mom and dad's faith, with mom and dad's church, you know, but when you go to college away from home, you don't have mom and dad's faith and mom and dad's church um, and you are out there. So I love that we are preparing our students educationally. You know, we're doing a great job academically and spiritually and yeah, so they can really hold. Because if they don't yeah. get it now, though, if you don't get it from teachers at North Star, from your parents, hopefully your parents are pouring into our students, making them think, um, yeah. who is God? Where is God when there's suffering going on? Yeah. You know, I love to challenge students with that because something's going to happen to every everybody, right? Yeah. If you haven't gone through brokenness and suffering yet, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so that, to me, that's where my mind goes to some of this stuff too is, what happens when things aren't going the way you thought they should? Yes. Um, do you leave God? Do you say there's really no God? Um, have you had any conversations like that? I have. So actually, my so when I went to college, <laughs> um, my college roommate that they assigned to me um, was somebody who had never even really heard of evangelical Christianity. Um, she grew up in a house with two moms. And um, when I told her I was an evangelical Christian, she asked me if I was going to need to build an altar in our dorm room. So, I mean, this is the level of had no idea, right? Um, and I roomed with her for two years. And I mean, we had some of the best conversations about faith, right? She would ask me questions like, well, why would God create a tree that he didn't want people to touch? Like, why would he do that? Why would he put temptation in people's way? Um, And having those kinds of conversations with her deepened my faith so much because you have to think about these things, right? Half the time she asks me something and I'm like, I don't know. I got to go research that. I got to go think about it, you know? Um, But you have to have a solid enough faith before those questions begin coming or you would be like, oh yeah, you're right. I don't know what I've been thinking. A hundred percent. And I will say my parents did consider that um, before they sent me to Mount Holyoke. They, you know, they thought about, well, she's going to encounter challenges to her faith. And they, along with me, determined that I was in a good enough spot in my faith to encounter those challenges. So I highly recommend having that thought process, right? You don't want to put yourself in an environment where you're setting yourself up to fail. But if you have a strong faith, 
being at a secular college can actually strengthen your faith because of the challenges to your faith that come your way. Um, And I actually was privileged to see one of my friends in college come to Christ through some of those really challenging conversations that we had because people really are looking for something more. And when they find someone who's willing to back their faith up with evidence and struggle with those hard questions and not back away from them, that can actually be incredibly attractive. So there, there might be some students listening today um, that are thinking, oh, I don't know the level of my faith. I don't know where I stand. I don't know if I'm ready for college. I think I believe in God. Um, so where just give them some practical steps. Where would they begin to just start testing the waters in that? In terms of deciding like what kind of college to go to or? No, in their, in their faith. So what level? So they know they need to strengthen their faith. So how do you begin to strengthen your faith? When I'm struggling in my faith, I always go back to the gospels because I think really what it comes down to is the entire Bible is important, right? I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to undermine that in any way. Um, but the story of Jesus is what draws us to God. And when we see Jesus's love and his beauty and his compassion and his sacrifice for us, that is what will draw you in. If you are feeling weak in your faith, you have to look to the cross because frankly, it's inspirational, you know, like when you don't know, even if you want to put the work into your faith, if you're like, oh, I know that I could probably become a better Christian if I read my Bible more or if I prayed more, but I just don't really feel like it. I'd rather be over here playing Fortnite, right? Um, (laughs) So I just think a couple of things for me, going back to Jesus's sacrifice, going back to why he died, looking at him on that cross, it just never fails to pull me back to God because you just, you see the, the enormousness of what he did and the enormousness of the gratitude that we owe him. And that just, it always pulls me back in. And then the other thing I would say is find something that bolsters your faith. And like obviously in addition to scripture, but maybe it's, for me, it's music, right? Um, Christian music really bolsters my faith. It enables me to express things to God that sometimes I don't even know how to say. Um, over these last couple of days, you know, with everything that's been, my, my grandpa had a fall and we've been trying to figure out his health stuff. Um, I've been spending a lot of time in front of the keyboard, just singing and like that's a way for me to come to Jesus and say I'm here (laughs) I don't really necessarily even know what to ask for or what to say right now but I'm here I'm listening I'm engaging um and for me that's music for some people it's art right for some people it's poetry or paintings or other spiritual disciplines and I think you know God comes to us in many different ways um, for many different people. And I think finding something that connects you to him um, is very personal, but very important. Yeah. Looking at those gifts and passions we talked about earlier. Yeah. And pressing into those. Yeah. 
and being thankful that God gave them. Yeah. Yeah. So if students are listening, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't even have to have the right questions. You could just say, here I am. Yeah. Here I am. All right. I love um, what you said that you've learned that our world promotes speaking and having louder opinions than the person next to you. But that as Christians, one of the best, most countercultural things we can do is to listen. How important is that right now? Yeah. And I think that goes back to what you just said. You know, when you don't have the right questions, we can listen to God. We can sit in his presence and he will meet us there. He promises to meet us there. Um, So I think that listening to God piece is really important. But then obviously in our current cultural climate, listening to others is absolutely essential. It's the only way that we can draw together as a church, I believe. It's the only way that we can draw together as humans in our neighborhoods, in our varieties of institutions in which we participate. Um, Because if we're just talking over others, we won't build relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're called to. We're called to relationship because that's where Christ comes out. We've circled back around. We have. To the beginning, yeah. <laughs> I love the circles to the relation. God made us relational people. He's yes. relational. He wants to have a relationship with us and with you um, who's listening. And he wants you to have amazing friends. And then just amazing relationships with people you don't even know just by listening. Yeah. You can break down so many walls and barriers by listening. Yeah. yeah. Because when you hear people's hearts, you see them for who they are. When you don't listen to people, you see them as a category. <laughs> you see them as, you know, a economic status or a political party or a type of Christianity or somebody who likes a specific type of worship music or dresses a certain way. But when you listen to them, you hear their hopes and their fears and their pain and those things connect us because they're raw and human. That's so good. I'm so thankful for you, Catherine, that you're a student in North Star, that you're a teacher Thank now you. for all the years that you had in Chad. And I love the nuggets of wisdom that you have. Well, thank you, you Stephanie. Jesus. Yeah. I appreciate you inviting me. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you have any questions for our guest or like information about North Star, please email us at podcast at nsa.school. We love having guests on our show and getting to hear their stories. If you have anyone in mind that you think would be a great guest to feature, please email us and let us know. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming stories.